Hey there, Margie Bryce here bringing you the Krabby Pastor Podcast. And I don't think you're going to be too surprised to know that it's too easy today to become the Krabby Pastor. Our time together will give you food for thought to help you be the ministry leader fully surrendered to God's purposes and living into whatever it takes to get you there and keep you there. So we're talking about sustainability in ministry. So in this episode of the Krabby Pastor podcast, I want to speak about canonic leadership. So let's say that three times fast, canonic leadership, canonic leadership. It it gets tricky. So the podcast is basically about self-care for ministry leaders. And one spiritual aspect of this is being the kind of leader that God needs. So this is a spiritual kind of leadership that I want to speak about today. Kenosis is from Philippians 2, where it is believed that Paul cited an ancient hymn. And it says there that Jesus made himself nothing and took on the nature of a servant. Kenosis for ministry leaders connects with how we see ourselves in Christ, what we do to deepen and form our faith, and how our identity as servants of Jesus needs to work together to bring about this authenticity of faith. Who doesn't want some of that, right? This is from the work of somebody by the name of T.D. Herbert. And if you're like really interested in the book, it was in 2008, he wrote it or it was published then. It was called Kenosis and the Priesthood Towards a Protestant Reevaluation of the Ordained Ministry. I I used it in my dissertation work, and it helped grab my heart and my attention for some of what I am going on and on and on about here in the podcast and in places in general, wherever I get to share that. So in an earlier podcast, I mentioned this formula that uh, Herbert put in. It was really compelling idea that he offered, and he said this, that your identity plus participation is what is going to equal authenticity of faith. So let me just unpack that again for this specific moment, for this specific conversation. But it's identity in Christ, seeing oneself as a servant of Jesus, not in negative servant terms, okay, but in a positive as in you are committed to wholeheartedly following Jesus. And then out of that, you're going to collaborate with God's work in the world. And that is what holds potential for you becoming an authentic representation. Representation? I say that intentionally. A representation of Jesus. That's pretty, that's powerful stuff, actually. So if you think about this formula, you can kind of see glimmers of why there is some inauthentic representation of Jesus going down now. And that, my friends, is another podcast. But for my dissertation project, I actually surveyed pastors about how they understood kenosis from a practical standpoint. Now, I am a practical theologian. I want to see what this means in the world. 
And so that is what I was looking to discover is how well pastors understood kenosis from a practical standpoint. So it was called, the title of it is Pastoral Understanding of Kenosis, right? And ministry leaders didn't seem to care for that middle participation piece, you know? They were okay with the identity piece, and they really like the authentic representation of Jesus, but eh, that middle piece of participation? Hmm. You know, we all like to study here and listen and learn about Jesus, but at some point it does need to become an observable action, and by that I mean you could video it, okay? This lines up with... um what Jesus might be about in your sphere of influence. And, okay, we could video you leaning into and following that. So the survey was mostly done among United Methodist pastors and deacons. And I just want to say then they have a distinct placement process for people who are elders and local licensed pastors. This means that they are given orders, I guess, of you're going to this church. This is where you're going. So there is a group of leaders that will decide that for all of the churches in a designated area. So I mentioned that for elders and local licensed pastors, that's kind of a ranking-ish kind of thing, but none of us are better than any others, right? Um, now, there's another group called deacons, and actually deacons find their own place of service, okay? So they go on the hunt. They, I'm a lot of discernment. I can't tell you everything that they do. So you have all of those kind of groupings in the United Methodist Church, and that is where I was serving at the time. So that's who, who is going to be answering these questions. People whose ministry place is decided for them. And that does play into some of the results. But So here's some, just some of the takeaways from what I learned about ministry leaders in this. I learned that pastors who took the survey were attached and they had the greatest kind of embrace to the kinds of questions that showed a high level of authenticity of faith as the desired outcome. They like that. Authentic faith, you know, it's kind of important. It's kind of critical, actually. And pastors in the survey understood the goal of developing an authentic representation of Christ. They got that. That made sense to them. But on the other hand, the end goal can have its dangers if faith remains underdeveloped, right? We see this in our congregants. Maybe some colleagues in ministry, I don't know, as well as other ministry leaders. And this is one of the challenges of our era, right? An underdeveloped faith and its dangers. You know, George Barda and others, there's books on this. You know, people like Jesus. They don't necessarily like church people, which technically are followers of Jesus. You know, we're hypocritical, we're unkind, you know, that whole that whole list. That is dangers of underdeveloped faith. So, 
I asked different questions, and the ones that related to identity, whether they saw themselves as a servant of Jesus, actually scored lower. Those were the ones showing a resistance to the ideals that were presented as being a servant of Christ. The other things that were resisted was when I used the word personal sacrifice. Yeah, they didn't like that. That didn't mean like sacrifice on the cross sacrifice, but just in general, having to sacrifice something. That was kind of resisted. The bond between pastor and congregation, the one that benefits the congregation, that kind of a bond was really not highly embraced. And and think about this, you know, if you know that you could be moved in two to three to five or 10, depending where in the country in the United States you're serving, it depends on what the trend is, on where, on how often pastors are moved. It's it's really localized. But in the area where I was doing the surveying, you know, you knew you could be moved after five years, that it was a possibility. So I wondered about that. But that bond between the pastor and the people that you service is really important. Cooperation with other pastors was resisted. And, and I'm like, what, what? But as I started talking, I think I've mentioned this before, you know, you can sit at a table with colleagues and bear your soul. And then, you know, next week, find out that somebody you were sitting at the table with is now your, your boss. And that's kind of scary. So there's that cooperative thing was kind of resisted. Um, pastors also, they embrace being yielded to Jesus Christ. But when the stronger giving-related words like sacrifice and self-sacrifice were used in the question, then the ideal was kind of resisted. Well, I don't want to go that far. Pastors seem to be more attached to what they receive. They like to get the creative energies of the Holy Spirit. They like to get learning through serving their congregation. They like the infilling of the Holy Spirit. But when the ideal meant giving away, pastors rated themselves as more resistant. This was pretty evident when the question about pastors being open to spirit-led correction to an intended course of action, that question was raised. Here, pastors would be receiving spirit-led guidance that ran then contrary to a current direction. You know, that meant that pastors had to kind of lay aside their own agenda, or go into more intensive work with a leadership team. So if received was the mean or the average in the survey, that was one question where the pastor was questioning, you know, okay, I'm giving this up, and uh, but I'm getting that. I'm going to get the spirit-led guidance, but then I'm going to have to what? And so that was kind of a pivotal question. Are you open to changing a direction if, if you really feel that the Spirit is leading you? And that was kind of a mixed result thing. But all in all, um, many in a faith journey resist the very things that can form and shape you into the desired goal of being more and more like Jesus, you know, in a clearly recognizable way. However, this, this, this middle participation piece that I brought up, this middle element uh, is 
about participation, and it is the rubber meets the road piece in all of this. This is where you are formed and shaped. So we like the idea of becoming more like Jesus, even as we resist taking part in, say, small groups, for example, even if and when the very kind of accountability that we might receive in that group, the kind of accountability that would foster faith development, we kind of resist that. This is as ministry leaders. Even though I'm saying pastors, I always want you to know that I am intending all ministry leaders, if you have been granted people over which you are responsible for their spiritual development, you know, and you're not ordained, I'm talking to you too. I just want to make that clear. So congregants or the people we serve, you know, who are what, erratic in worship attendance? And then their leaders watch over them and see them steer clear of any kind of faith-enhancing opportunity. You know, that makes ministry leaders get discouraged. We do. We get bummed. We get discouraged over that because, and we don't like this part, growth and grace is kind of hard work. And it's intentional work. The testing of our faith is challenging. And after all, We are all creatures of comfort. So that's a lot to chew on, I know. And I will just give you a few moments for that. Hey there, Margie Bryce here with the Krabby Pastor Podcast, always wanting to make sure that what I am serving up is what is going to be most helpful for you. While this is a podcast dedicated to encouraging self-care and especially self-care in leadership, because, you know, you got to lead yourself first before you can lead anybody else. I also want to make sure I'm offering you the content that, that helps you. I am also always on the hunt for any kind of burnout stories that you'd like to share. And I am always looking for your input on topics of great interest to you, or even even just raise a snarky question at me uh, about life in ministry. That's fine too. What I have is a form on the crabbypastor.com website. And what I need you to do is go to that website, go to the Krabby Pastor podcast link, and use the form there to communicate with me so that I can make this podcast be everything that you need it to be and more. Just know any information you provide me uh, is confidential. Unless you say to me, hey, I'd love to be interviewed on your podcast, or I'd love to be a part of chatting it up with you on your podcast. Other than that, uh, unless you make it clear to me that you want to be an active part of it, or you want that kind of exposure, uh, (laughs) I will consider your material a confidential. So go to KrabbyPastor.com, go to the Krabby Pastor podcast link there and fill out the form and talk to me, please, so I can make this be for you everything that you need for it to be, to be successful and to feel fulfilled in your ministry. Okay, I'm back. And that is a lot to chew on. I let you come up for air for a moment here, but here's where all of this goes. 
ministry leaders, whether we are ordained or not, must see ourselves exactly like the people we serve. We resist what we ought to embrace. We do not like sacrifice, but we do like being blessed. By remembering and embracing this, we take the first canonic step towards being able to serve our people fully and with God's love. I used to always say to my congregants, I would say, you know, we're all just serving in the places where our giftings, our spiritual gifts have taken us and and standing up on this platform just happens to be where, where mine took me. But I'm right here in the boat with all y'all. We're all in this together. And that's very, very, very true. Ministry leaders are sheep too. We are. We may be uniquely gifted and equipped to serve our people through teaching, preaching, leadership, and our serving is upfront and highly visible. Yet our ministries are to help our congregants find their callings to ministry and help nurture and equip that as they live out their calls. To do this means that we have to journey alongside them for the sake of their journey. The role of pastor, the role of ministry leader, is not a hierarchical status. It is not a status where we are above them, even though they will offer you your own parking spot. Okay? And mine did this to me. We're going to put a sign here, Pastor, and this is where... And I'm like, no, please don't do that. Please don't do that. I, I won't park there. And they looked kind of confused, you know. And I said, nope, nope. I ascribe to the sit near, park far thing. And they were like, what? And I said, yeah, yeah. So when you park your car, you have to park it far out so that people that are coming for the first time might find a really good parking spot. And then in, in the church worship area, you want to sit near. You want to sit near the front so that the people who might be coming to visit for the first time or newer would have the seats not quite so close to the front where they are more comfortable. So I'm a sit near, park far kind of gal even though I was rarely driving, my husband mostly was driving, but we off we parked far away, so I didn't want my own parking spot. We are sheep as well. So as ministry leaders, we dare not forget that we exist for the benefit of our congregants. Our faith and the ongoing development of our faith plays an important role in the formation of the faith of the people that we serve. Paul lived this out as a servant of Christ, even from a jail cell. He wrote and did so to impact the faith and action aspects of, say, the church at Philippi. In this way, participation worked to reinforce another group's identity as servants of Christ, as Paul challenged them in the way they ought to behave. Okay? Ministry leaders dare not forget that we can be the best and the worst that we've seen in our congregants. I had one congregant who just 
she was such a great servant, and, and I would frequently think, oh, Jesus, I think that she is indeed a much better Christian than I am. I, I really was very humbled by her. So we can be both the best and the worst that we see in our congregants. And frequently in our congregants, we clearly see the very things that we don't care for about ourselves. Hmm. And we also can be bent towards the culture's offer of that quick fix that those never work anyway. And we certainly are not exempt from focusing on how we benefit at times over and above how our people need to benefit from us. So yeah, ministry leaders like the idea of being like Jesus Christ, but don't necessarily appreciate the process of growth, the accompanying challenge, and sometimes the painful process of getting the roots of our faith to go down way, way deep. We sometimes see ourselves as having risen above our congregants and as no longer being in the same state of disrepair and need. Hmm. We just can't see ourselves as sheep sometimes because we believe we now have the role of shepherd. But we need to remember, in reality, and technically speaking, we are the Lord's under-shepherds. We can too easily look downward on others when the real need is for us to look upward all together. So to embrace all of this in the deepest of heart sincerity while in confession before God is the beginnings of the walk of kenosis. So stay tuned for the next episode. We're going to do some kenotic lessons along the way and look at what kenotic leadership and a kenotic life looks like. Hey, Thanks for listening. It is my deep desire and passion to champion issues of sustainability in ministry and for your life. So I'm here to help. I stepped back from pastoral ministry and I feel called to help ministry leaders uh, create and cultivate sustainability in their lives so that they can go the distance with God and whatever plans that God has for you. I would love to help. I would consider it an honor. And in all things, make sure you connect to these sustainability practices, you know, so that you don't become the crabby pastor. <laughs>